Hello and welcome to today's episode of The Quad Shot, where we help you down and digest the day's most pertinent cancer news. It's January 30th, 2023. Welcome to The Quadcast. Let's dive in. First up, radiomics. More and more studies are looking at teasing out not who needs radiation, but who needs what dose of radiation. Rather than relying on tumor genomics, this group is basing their efforts on readily available tumor radiographic characteristics. They used 849 pre-radiation CT scans paired with treatment details and post-treatment surveillance scans to not only predict local failures after long SBRT, but also predict what dose would have resulted in a less than 5% chance of local failure at 24 months. This model was then prospectively validated on an external cohort. Indeed, those receiving a dose that met or exceeded the predicted dose saw a 0% chance of local failure at 3 years. Those receiving slightly less than predicted dose had 13% rate of failure and those receiving much less than the predicted dose had a 40% failure rate. These local failures were associated with both nodal and distant failures and preceded them 80% of the time. Of note, predicted doses ranged from 73 to 267 gray BED, meaning some recommended doses exceeded standard dose recommendations, particularly for centrally located tumors. Therefore, there's no way to know at this time if local control would have actually been improved with delivery of predicted doses in the much higher range. The bottom line is, artificial intelligence pre-treatment review of radiographic tumor characteristics may help predict on which lung tumors we should push the limits with ablative radiation prescription doses. Thanks to Randall. JCO Clinical Cancer Informatics, 2023. Up second, security checkpoint. Does ipilimumab improve the response to concurrent chemoradiation for stage 3 non-small cell lung cancer? Adjuvant immunotherapy is the standard of care for patients treated with definitive chemoradiation for stage 3 non-small cell lung cancer. The next obvious question is whether immunotherapy should be given during chemoradiation. There have been several phase 2 trials testing concurrent PD-1 or PD-L1 inhibitors along with chemoradiation. This trial sought to establish the safety of ipilimumab, a CTLA-4 inhibitor concurrent with chemoradiation, followed by maintenance nivolumab for stage 3 non-small cell lung cancer patients. Patients were treated with 60 gray and 30 fractions and one of three platinum doublet chemo regimens. Ipilimumab was given on week 1 and 4 of treatment. After completing chemoradiation, 12 cycles of maintenance nivolumab were administered. The trial was stopped early after enrolling just 19 patients, largely due to a high rate of grade 3 plus pulmonary toxicity at 42%. There were five grade 5 events, 26%, with three being possibly treatment-related. 
The observed pulmonary toxicity was despite a very, quote-unquote, safe median lung D20 of 26%, and a median mean lung dose of 14 gray. But put another way, it is not clear that standard lung dose constraints are adequate with concurrent immunotherapy, and particularly CTLA-4 inhibition. While the numbers were small, the highest rate of grade 3-plus pulmonary events happened in those receiving carboplatin and paclitaxel compared to cisplatin etoposide and cisplatin pemetrexid. In fact, two of three grade 5 events occurred in patients receiving carbotaxel. The bottom line is, this phase 1 study was stopped early due to a high rate of serious pulmonary toxicity when ipilimumab was given with concurrent chemoradiation for stage 3 non-small cell lung cancer. Thanks to Livering House, Red Journal, 2023. Up next, no response is a good response. Many meningiomas harbor inactivating mutations in NF2. Cells deficient in the protein Merlin, which is the product of NF2, are susceptible to inhibition of focal adhesion kinase, FAK, or FAC. In the setting of FAC inhibition, NF2 mutated cells have disruption of their adhesions to the extracellular matrix and other cells. In Alliance 71401, 36 patients with NF2 mutations in recurrent or progressive meningioma were treated with a FAC inhibitor. One patient experienced a partial response while 24, or 67%, had stable disease as a best response. At six months, the rate of progression-free survival was 33%. And while this may not exactly be groundbreaking, it is better than the historical control of approximately 15%. Thanks to Brastianos, JCO, 2023. Up next advances. You'd be hard-pressed to find many examples of more astounding oncologic advancement than that of immune checkpoint inhibition for non-small cell lung cancer. This large retrospective study of outcomes at 280 cancer clinics across the U.S. reveals that the use of immune checkpoint inhibition shot up from less than 5% in 2015 to greater than 45% in 2019 with similar use among patients of all ages, even those over 75 years old. This was correlated with major shifts in survival times. Rates of survival at two years for patients 55 or younger was 36% in 2011 versus over 50% just seven years later in 2018. By comparison, the benefit among those 75 years of age and older was slightly less pronounced, but there was still an improvement from 31 to 36% over the same time period. Thanks to Boruganti, JAMA Oncology, 2023. Finally, wires crossed. This retrospective database study of over 12,000 patients with both cancer and COVID-19 demonstrates that those receiving both baseline 
or recent immunosuppressive drug therapy, including a prednisone equivalent daily dose of 20 milligrams or greater, as well as immune checkpoint inhibition, had over three times the risk of severe COVID-19 infections and over four times the risk for cytokine storm. Thanks to Bacchany, JAMA Oncology, 2022. This concludes today's episode of The Quad Shot. If you like what you've heard, please consider giving us a five-star rating and subscribing to our podcast. Also, check out our website at www.quadshotnews.com and subscribe to our newsletter. We'll catch you next time.